Welcome to the Illuminate Church Podcast. We hope today's message is encouraging to you. Final week of Wooly. This is week number 10. It's taken us 10 weeks to walk through one psalm that only has six verses, but it's such a powerful psalm. It's meant so much to us as we're walking as the sheep walk with their shepherd through the lens of David as a world-class shepherd and the sheep. We're learning about this psalm of movement. It's a psalm of God calling us higher from the winter lowlands through the valley into the presence of our enemies and resting there and eventually into the summer highlands and where we'll end up today at the end of verse six. So one more time, all together, up to your feet with great enthusiasm in your spirit so that the person's sitting in front of you's hair gets parted by the voice of you, the, the, the wind coming out of you. I don't know what I just said, but here we go. Psalm 23. Are you ready? Say yes. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Hey, we got four that time. All right, give somebody a high five. Come on, Psalm 23. You can have a seat, sorry. (laughs) Or you can stand up the whole service. Why not? I am. Let's go. So Psalm 23 has a testimony in it. And let the final testimony be from Psalm 23. Let the final testimony be as you think of it for yourself. Let the final testimony of Psalm 23 be as you live it out in front of others, these three things. Number one, I shall not want. Number two, I shall not fear. And number three, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is Psalm 23 as a testimony, as a mantra that you can repeat over yourself daily, moment by moment, sitting on I-4, in traffic, uh, at work when things aren't going well, at home, wherever the case may be, you can speak these things over yourself and live them in front of others. I shall not want Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He does not leave me wanting. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I shall not want. And the second part is, I shall not fear. Because the one who has been victorious over both sin and death, who holds the keys to life, is seated with me. He's with me through everything, not just the the valleys, but in all areas of my life, all seasons of my life, I'm traveling with the shepherd, his goodness and mercy. I see you still see goodness and mercy sitting down here this week. They're back. Hello. (laughs) Still following me. It was kind of creepy this week. Every time these are my actual neighbors. So they were, they're just, they're there all the time. Goodness and mercy follow us. So we have nothing to fear ever, even in hard things. 
even at the end of our earthly life. You cannot threaten me with heaven, right? Take me, I'm ready, let's go, right? And then finally, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what we're discussing today. Today's message is called, y'all come back now. This is the warmth, the genteel nature of the South, the hospitality, y'all come back now. And it's an invitation from those who speak it. It means we desire your return. We want you to come back. You are always welcome here. Y'all come back now. And uh, occasionally, somebody will add on the last two words, y'all come back now. You hear? Y'all hear, right? My question to you is, have you heard? Answer the question today as you sit here with the word of God open to you. The Lord says, you shall dwell in my house forever. Are you there today? And if not, y'all come back now, says the Lord. You hear? Are you hearing? Not from me. Hmm. So to begin, let's first understand what David meant when he refers to the house of the Lord. Because this is an actual man writing about an actual place that he would visit frequently. King David from the Old Testament referring to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord in David's time was actually the temple of God. And if you travel with us in March of 2025 to Israel, you will see the Temple Mount. The very place that David is hoping to go. Of course, the temple is not there. It's been destroyed. They have all the articles ready to build the third temple upon Jesus' return. That's all there. It's ready to go, right? Uh, but the second temple has been destroyed. The temple mount is still there. And David's house was, is just down the mountain. It's really a big hill. Down from the temple mount is where David built his house in the old David city, old city of David. And you'll see all that, but David, no matter where he was, would long to return to the house of the Lord, the temple of God. And we're not just talking about the outer courts of the temple, not even the inner court of the temple where the uh, altar was and the basins for washing and the sacrificial fires were all there, not even up the steps to the priestly court where the priests would do all their work, and not even inside the actual temple itself which is called the holy place. Inside the holy place is the candelabra, the candles lit continuously before the Lord, the showbread, uh, a sign of God's provision uh, there laid out before the Lord and also the incense burning before the Lord. That's all in the holy place. And then dividing the holy place from the inner, uh, the, the holy of holies is the veil, this beautiful ornate veil. And then behind that curtain is the Holy of Holies, and there seated is the Ark of God. This gold encased crate, you've seen it on Indiana Jones, and you, you know, right? you've seen it. The cherubim sit with their angel wings back like this, back to back on top of the Ark, and there seated above the angels is what's called the mercy seat, the place where God himself would come down and manifest to the people of, uh, of Israel, his presence. There, that place. And that is where David longed to be. And so for the house of the Lord, when David speaks of it, it's less about a place and more about a person. It's less about a place and more about 
the presence. So you hear this four chapters later in Psalm 27, David writes this, one thing I ask from the Lord, one thing, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all, my, all the days of my life. Why? To gaze on the beauty of the Lord, the person the presence, and to seek him in his temple, the person and the presence of the Lord. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At a sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. The house of the Lord for the sheep of God was to be in the presence of the shepherd. The house of the Lord for David is to be in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. For in his presence was refuge. For in his presence is safety. In his presence is a place of worship. And in his presence is shouts of joy. I don't know what you are expecting when you see Jesus for the first time. I mean, the, the famous songs like, well, 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 what will I do in your presence? Will I fall to my knees? Well, what am I going to, what am I going to, I think we're going to be shouting like crazy, like, oh my God, <laughs> right? Is he, wow, right? I think we need to break out in five seconds of joy. One, two, three, go. Five seconds. That was like two. We're, we're going to try again because the Lord's worth it for five seconds. Ready, set, go. Merry Christmas. Huh. Shouts of joy. When uh, we open the new building, which will be February 4th, 2024, but you'll be in there sooner than that, um, we get to name things. It's the first, you know, what, what are we going to call this? And what are we going to call that? Like the, there's like a breezeway off to the side. Are we going to call it the breezeway? And we talked, like, no, we're going to name it the porch because this is like, a house and we want people and then around the corner there we got this big room where we're gonna have like overflow seating and we're gonna host life step one life step two equip groups will be in there all sorts of groups will meet in this space what are we going to call this is it the life center is it like the multifunction room and we ended up naming it the living room and it's just this beautiful wonderful place to be but what about okay we can come for that yeah. but what about like the place where we gather to do this to sing to, to pray, to sit under the counsel of God's word together? What, what do we want to call that? And the staff's looking at me like, what, do you, what are we going to name it? I'm like, uh. You know, some places they call it a theater. This is what this is, a theater. Other, other churches call it the auditorium. You'll see it says auditorium above the doors that enter. Other places call it the worship center, which is kind of interesting, the worship center. Um, so I had a very concise but compelling conversation with the Holy Spirit. I said, what should we, and before I even finished the question, it hits my heart. And he said, the place shall be called sanctuary. So we will meet in the sanctuary of the Lord. It's an old-fashioned word, right? But sometimes what's old-fashioned has been fashioned for all times. And so the sanctuary is a place that we will gather, which is the house of the Lord. Sanctuary in the Old Testament means sacred, set apart. In the New Testament, it refers to the temple where God's presence 
would reside. So if you put that all together, they both refer to the sanctuary as a place of safety and refuge. And if I would add to this definition, I would say because of God's presence, a place of safety and refuge. In David's day, he was often not near the temple of God because of the threats against his own life. He would go down to the stronghold, which if you go with us to Israel in March of 2025, you can see two of David's strongholds with us. We'll see Masada, which is a, this fortress. Masada actually means fortress. At the top of this mountain, that's way up high. It's super scary for people that don't like heights to go up to. Me. And you also see in Gedi, where David wrote many psalms, down hiding from those who were seeking to destroy him and the temple, and far away from the temple, especially when you walked to places. They didn't have cars, obviously. David would long to go back to the place where God was, to that place of his presence. I wonder, as we open the building, I pray that that's the spirit that rises up in the region. I can't wait to get into the presence of God. I can't wait to be in the sanctuary to be in the place of safety and refuge. Now, theologically, that could be anywhere that you call in the name of the Lord. It's not confined to a place anymore because Jesus, when he died, said the veil was torn so that the Spirit of God could go out and that we could enter in, right? No longer is he behind closed doors. He's everywhere able to be manifested now that Jesus has been crucified, dead, and now raised to new life. However, there is something either mental or emotional and perhaps even spiritual about a sacred place that's been consecrated to the Lord like a sanctuary in a church where I pray that people will say, you know, it's Friday, life is rough, I need to get to the sanctuary. I need to get to the presence of God. I need to be with other people who are worshiping him. I need to be under the counsel of the word. I need to be in the sanctuary to dwell in that place and to be near him. So what is the truth about David's temple? What are some truths about our sanctuary that we will have and we currently have right here? And what is the truth about the forever home that God has prepared for us? Because Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse three, he says, hey, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you and I'm gonna come back and get you. Why? So that where I am, you may also be. Again, sanctuary is not a place as much as it is a presence. I want to be in that place forever with the Lord. Few things, two things really about this forever home. Number one, God is the host. Everyone say host. Pop quiz. We shall dwell in whose house forever? Did you say the Lord? You just passed your final exam. Congratulations. You didn't know it was going to be so easy. The house is the Lord's, which means that he's the host, which means that the invite list was generated by God himself. He's the host. Uh, I was at a Christmas gathering just this past Monday night, and I got to tell you, it was just super special. Like you've been to a bunch of gatherings probably before and some are elevated and some are just kind of mundane. You're like, as soon as you get there, like, when can we leave, right? I maybe won't ever say that out loud, but you thought it, amen? Mm -hmm. 
But we entered in this one, man, the Christmas tree is like 50,000 feet tall, at least it looked that way, beautifully decorated. Uh, the home smelled like Christmas. Uh, and then you walk into the kitchen where all the food is and there's just piles of like, it just is, it's not just food, but like the way they set it out, there's a charcuterie board on this other table over here that takes up nearly the entire table. Can you spell charcuterie? Neither can I. And then you have this here, right? And then there's like these desserts like stacked on these riser things that are just like so incredibly gorgeous. One of them was like this spice cake made into a cheesecake encased in caramel. Yeah. And it had a little like heart thing stuck in it that you pulled out and you squeezed it and more caramel came out. What? So good. And then we got gifts like I opened a present, it was a book, it was a, it's this beautiful book, almost of Christian poems, but even better, more deep, more wonderful. And uh, I say all that to say, none of these things touched my heart, even came close to touching my heart or mattered to me as much as watching our host. I was blown away by our host. Our host was so gracious, serving us nonstop the entire time we were there so hospitable, so generous. I was wowed way more by the person than the party. And the party was pretty good. And to top it all off, I'm looking around. I don't know if you've ever been in a room of people and everyone's talking and you're kind of having this outside of the moment just thinking to yourself. Maybe I'm just weird, which is no surprise. And I'm thinking, how in the world did I get invited to this? Like, what right do I have to be in this place with these people? I know my story. I know my struggles. I know who, I'm not trying to demean myself. I'm just having that moment like, wow, what am I doing here except that the host decided this guy, Tim Ingram, matters to me so much that I wanted to invite him to my house and lavish the love of God on him. The host decided. Your heavenly father says to you, you are invited to my house. Do you hear me? Can you comprehend the magnitude of what it means when the creator of everything and everyone, the savior of all, invites you to his house? This is rhetorical, because it could get weird, but did Joe Biden invite you to his house for Christmas? If he did, would you go? You should. Honor your president. Honor the authority set above you. But did he invite you? Did Tiger Woods invite you to his house to chip and putt in the backyard? Because he's got greens back there. He's here now, actually, just a few miles from here, playing in the father-son tournament. You all know who Tiger Woods is? Did Trailer invite you over? Anyone? Trailer? Everyone knows who Trailer is now, right? Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift. (laughs) Nobody for Christmas ham? I mean, didn't invite me either. Like, why does she got to be so mean? It's a Taylor Swift song, just a cruel, cruel Christmas. Mm -hmm. 
Why didn't they invite you? This is going to hurt, but it's true. They didn't invite you because they don't see your worth. Some rando. You mean nothing to them. That kind of stinks. <laughs> but it's true. I mean nothing to Tiger Woods. I have no value to him whatsoever. I'm just another peon trying to get near a famous person. <laughs> they don't see your worth. And God says, I'm inviting you to my house, not for a party, but for all time. Because God sees your worth. Because to God, you have immense value. And he says, come. This person, you, matter so much to God that he invites you to his house so that he can lavish his love on you. What a host. The question today, I guess, would be this. Like, hey, you're on the invite list, but are you on the RSVP'd list? For everyone's been invited to the house, but not everyone has RSVP'd and said, yes, Lord, I receive your invitation. Thank you for loving me enough to invite me to this party, to invite me to your house, to invite me to your presence. The book of Revelation often refers to something called the book of life. Revelation chapter three, verse five, as an example, says the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot their name out of the book of life. This is the RSVP list. These are people who have confessed Jesus as Lord. And then the scriptures goes on to say, whoever's name is in the book of life, I will confess their name before my father and before his angels. God, angels, it's Tim Ingram. Huh? Isn't that cool? Jesus confessed, God, angels, it's Pastor Tish MacArthur. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I'm not making this up. This is what the scripture says. Jesus is going to confess your name before your father and the angels in the house of the Lord as you RSVP to his list by faith in Jesus. And when you do that, you're given a key. Everyone say key. This is the second point. Uh, I don't know if you remember the term latchkey kid. Anyone remember this term? I was a latchkey kid. Now, what I'm going to say next has no judgment in it whatsoever. So if you hear judgment in it, that's on you, not me. Okay, amen? There was a, there was a season in our uh, American history where women went from being uh, mostly stay-at-home moms, working moms at home, right? There's tons of work there, to working in the workplace, and so where there used to be one parent at home all the time, now both parents were at work. Both my parents worked. My dad was in the army. My mom was in the education system. She was a librarian, then a media specialist, all that kind of stuff. So when we were living in Germany, both of them were at work. I would leave school and I would get home and the doors would be locked because both my parents were gone. So my parents gave me a key to the house. And it was on a latch, a piece of yarn that went around my neck. It was a green yarn, I still remember it to this day, like a forest green and a gold key, and I would spin that thing all the time on my finger, just spinning it. A, a, a green yarn, gold key, and one day it went up in a tree, which actually happened, and I had to climb up there and get it out. Terrible story. 
The point being is that whenever I wanted to go into the house, I had the authority to go in because it had been granted to me by my parents. They gave me the key and therefore I could come and go as I saw fit. You by faith in Jesus Christ, when you say that confess that Jesus is Lord, are given the key to the Lord's house and it's in your pocket so that any time you may enter, at any time you are welcome. The next thing I'm about to say has no judgment in it. So if you hear any judgment, that's on you, not me. Occasionally, and understandably, human parents have said to their grown children, based on reckless and harmful behavior, you are no longer welcome in our house. And that child is asked, usually a grown child or older child is asked to leave the house. The agape love, which is the never failing, unearned love of God, never does that to somebody who's put their faith in Jesus. Never. That at all times, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on to you, you still have the key in your pocket. And the Lord says to you, wandering in your folly, back to your flesh, returning to the winter lowlands to start the journey again. Goodness and mercy following you when you leave the house to find you and say, y'all come back now. For this word, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It doesn't actually mean what it sounds like it means because it sounds like we're gonna go to the house and live there forever. But if you understand the Hebrew and what David was writing as he was writing this, it means I'm going to return to the house of the Lord continuously. Not future tense, but every chance that I get, every time that I wander away and the Lord says to me, y'all come back now, I'm gonna continuously return to the place, the presence, the person of God. I shall return to the house of the Lord forever. How do we do that? I just wanna give you three ways you can return today to the house, to the presence of the Lord. Number one, in worship. The Lord says he inhabits the praises of his people. When you worship, which is singing, but it's also just aligning yourself with God, offering yourself to the Lord, he inhabits that place. He dwells with you in worship. Secondly, in his word, this is the living word of God. When you open it, you are interacting with God Almighty. It's not a library book. It's not a historical book, although there's a lot of history in here. It's the living word of God. And when you open it and read from it, you are in the presence, returning to the presence, returning to the words of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. And finally, in his stead, in worship, in his word, and in his stead. And what I mean by that is the body of Christ should always be doing what Christ did in his body. And when we operate as the body of Christ, doing what Christ did in his body, we return to the house of the Lord in the service of his kingdom, sharing life with him, 
just the way he would have done it when he was here on earth. This is Psalm 23. Going from the winter lowlands to the summer highlands, rejoicing there and then hitting a snag in the road, a detour happens and I come back to the winter lowlands and I think, man, I've messed up too much this time. I've cheapened the grace of God because I've fallen all the way back here, yet goodness and mercy follows you right here and says, come back now. Continuously. This cycle never wears out. God never tires of bringing you back to his presence. For just as much as you long to be in his presence, he longs to be in yours. I've asked the team to come out and sing this song that we've been singing over the last uh, couple of weeks. We've done it a few times. And you can sing, uh, but maybe what you need to do is receive these words as we finish our time together in Psalm 23. And afterwards, I'm gonna come back out after this song and just ask you one more time. Have you RSVP'd to God's invite? The Lord bless you.
in me so i will walk in your peace your spirit lives within me my victory my victory your spirit lives within me so i will walk in your peace your spirit lives within me oh every day of my life i will sing your spirit lives within me so Father, it's hard to say that we love one more, one scripture more than another. But Lord, when you inspired Psalm 23, you left something indelible on our hearts to remind us that we have a good shepherd. And it is the Lord, Yahweh. And that fills us with such confidence and assurance that no matter what comes, the Lord our God goes before us, never leaves us, nor forsakes us, never sleeps nor slumbers. You are divinely diligent and we bless you, God. We say thank you and we praise you. If you're here today and you've never RSVP'd, meaning you're not sure if your name is in the book of life written down for all eternity, then I invite you in the joy of the Lord to say yes to salvation today, to say yes to Jesus, believing that he came to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and restored to new life. so that you could be made new. This happens by faith in the Son of God, a simple confession of your mouth that says, Jesus is Lord. And so every voice together, would you pray this prayer with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I recognize my need 
I recognize my sin and I know, I believe, and I confess that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is Lord. I receive you into my heart. I ask that you write my name in the book of life forever and ever and I shall dwell with you forever and ever. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I am rejoicing over you. You are a brand new creation in Christ. You have received salvation. You are a Christian and the angels are rejoicing. If you've made that prayer today, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three as an opportunity to celebrate what God has done. This is a wonderful moment. That's you today on the count of three. One, two, three, hands nice and high. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. If you've raised your hand, one of the ushers is coming to bring you something so important. Hold on to that. Now, if you've been far off and in the winter lowlands, even though you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to feel that God brought you here today because of his goodness and mercy to say, I love you. Now come back now. You hear? Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. Repent, which just means to change your mind. And seasons of refreshing will fall upon you, says the Lord. If you're in need of that today, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to raise your hand so I can pray over you. No shame in the house, there's only grace, only love. Returning to the Lord, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, nice and high. Come on, bless you. Thank you, Father, for those who see that they are wayward, which is a hard thing to say, but it's a beautiful thing to know that you are lost and yet God can find you again and again and again. Lord, I pray that you would help these people feel the weight of your key in, the, in their pocket. They know that they have a place in your house and that your grace is sufficient, that they can fully return to you with no shame, no condemnation. That's from the enemy. What's from the Lord is love. What's from the Lord is redemption. What's from the Lord is reinstituting everything that the enemy has stolen. So God bless these people. Welcome them home. We rejoice and pray these things together in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope God is speaking to your heart through this message. If you'd like to connect with us, you can text CONNECT to 407-588-0115 or visit illuminate.church. Have a great week.